Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Dr. Lee Merritt. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and tonight is Wednesday, June 28th in the year 2023. Tonight we have a very special interview. It's a long interview, about an hour and a half, with Dr. Lee Merritt. We cover a lot of topics. We begin pretty heavily with the focus on Ukraine and all the nonsense going over there and, and this fake coup that just happened against uh, Putin, President Putin, and then move into other things like bees and electroculture and who knows what. This is just a typical great conversation with one of the best doctors in the nation, quite literally. Now, Patriots, before we begin, and this is a very urgent statement, the USDA has released a warning about serious food shortages that will be hitting America very soon. It turns out that, as we know, the bread, back, bread, the bread basket in the states and the countless crops that were planted last season won't be harvested this year. That's a combination of things from extreme weather, the lack of fertilizer, and just horrible government re- regulation, as well as leveraged banks and an economy that's toppling. The question is, are you prepared? And if you're not, then you need to get it prepared right away. The reason we do this is to to focus on our preparations in terms of emergency food. And one of the best places to get that is through My Patriot Supply. So if you head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com, that link is always below the, the podcast, there are some big savings on the emergency food packets for the family, for all that you're going to need in the months ahead. They have a four-week emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply that has all the things you need for the family in the toughest of times. To take advantage of it, and this is a limited-time offer, you need to head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. It's a limited-time offer, but it is a fantastic deal that they're offering there, so check it out, preparewithbards.com, and then... That's, you don't even have to use a promo code. It's right in the it's right in the URL. Preparewithbars.com. If I was me and I, and I'm looking at my family all the time, that's a big burden we all have to make sure our families are taken care of. So don't be caught short. Head on over there. You want to check it out soon, and you will not regret any of it. So preparewithbars.com to check it out. Well, patriots, as we know, lots of crazy things going on in the world, and the world is upside down. But it's also with this, There's we have to be able to find reason in the way we sort through things. Now, last night we talked about the the issue of this, the Fed Now program, which is a pretty heavy topic. One thing I said today in the show on Bended Knee, do not forget to pay, pray into this with authority to break it and to break the strongholds. There's no reason for us to be feeling panicked or overwhelmed with inform, or with these things that the enemy is putting upon us. The enemy does not have the power of God. That's just something to remember and to keep in mind. And so we need to be strong in all of this. Now, in tonight's interview with Dr. Lee Merritt, we're going to get into a lot of things, like I said. 
it's important important to remember all of these the ways that the the crazy people work. We are dealing with a pedophile Nazi corporate fascist elite. I don't know. I could probably put another fifty adjectives on that, but they are literally trying to seize control, and they have literally reflagged the nation. And that's something to keep in mind. We have a big fight ahead of us, and the real ground war in all of this isn't on our soil. It's happening in Ukraine and Russia. That's the real war. If you're one of those that's putting a little Ukraine flag up on your Twitter, get rid of it and wake up. It's dumb. It's retarded, in fact, because you don't know what you're talking about. The, the Russians are not the Russians of Cold War. This is Russia of Putin post-Cold War against the Nazis who ultimately came through over there thanks to, oh, you know who, the CIA, to help them settle into Ukraine to run their intelligence network and all sorts of other things as they waged war against Russia over the years. So we're inheriting this nonsense and this craziness, and we're seeing it all around us. Obviously, Canada right now is probably a little bit ahead of us on the insanity, but we're catching up really fast. And if we don't put our foot down, this thing is going to overwhelm us and literally consume us to such a degree that it's going to take decades for us to dig out. So this time is a time for authority to be strong, to lean into things and be prepared. One last note before we go, make sure that you're doing all you can to secure your retirement wealth in a proper way in gold and silver. And that would be Birch Gold. Patriots, President Trump recently issued a warning from his Mar-a-Lago home. Quote, our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be our greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years, end quote. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar, inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times, gold. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Just text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the whole process. The folks at Birch Gold are amazing. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text BARDS to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold. Again, text BARDS to 989898. This is one of those decisions you will never regret. Do it today. All right, Patriots, without further ado, let's bring on Dr. Lee Merritt. Well, Patriots, today we have one of our favorite doctors in the entire world is Dr. Lee Merritt. And not only is she a, just an absolute patriot for fighting for truth in the medical industry and taking down medical tyranny, but just a great mind. And as you know very well from past shows, we just have great conversations. And today it's going to be another one of those as we cover a whole range of topics. Dr. Merritt, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Well, let's let's start with what's been going on last week and the week before. You were on the <laughs> cutting edge, literally, of reporting on the Wagner issue and this um, this fake coup. 
And matter of fact, I told you we were going to have to come up with a new media award. I think we we're going to call it like the Boitzer or something so it's, we don't can get rid of the Pulitzer. But it was good work. I mean, you were literally going to Russian source documents. You were posting it on your Telegram. You were way ahead of the curve on where this thing was going. So let's talk a little bit about what you were seeing and what this thing looks like. Well, uh, the you know, I, I first of all, I... I uh, I love I love I, I admit to being a Russophile since the time I was in college. I studied Russian history. I I and the reason I start even went down this road. I learned Russian for a little while. I studied Russian in college, and I've been studying ever since because I was a math major, and Russian is the mathematics language. So anyway, that's that's kind of gave me and it helped me in COVID because the first thing I knew to do is to go find, read the Russian bioweaponeers. What do they think's going on? And right away, they said, this is not natural. This is like January of 2020. This is not natural. This has been released. We don't know any more than that right now, blah, blah, blah. So so that's been kind of a, an un, unexpected bonus in my life, having that old background. But, you know, I so I've been ever since this whole, uh, you know, I mean, so I know, first of all, I know something about Russian history and people that don't follow this. I mean, keep in mind, after World War II, it was it was the Dulles brothers whose fingers are all over that whole history period. The, the Dulles brothers and Alan Dulles was the first, I think it was Alan, not John Foster, but one of them was the first CIA chief, right? But the way he kind of put the organization together from the OSS of World War II is he recruited, or Galen recruited himself, General uh, Galen. The Galen Org was the big spy network into the Soviet Union during World War II, and General Galen was one of two German generals that was not tried at Nuremberg, even in, in absentia. The other one being General Kamler, who had probably the most top secret scientific lab going on, even more than Penamunde and the and von Braun and the rockets. So General the the Galen Org and the and, and the Kamler Stab. And anyway, General Galen. Uh, said, okay, he comes to Dulles and he says, I'll help you on, I can give you my whole spy network. Okay, this is as the world, as World War II is winding down, the war is still going on, these back channel discussions. He says, I'll give you my whole spy network because I know what you want to do. And they're meeting in Switzerland. He says, but here's the deal. I run it. And so what we did was we imported essentially the Nazi spy organization and that became the biggest arm of our CIA. You know, everybody, to be anybody in the CIA, you want to be in the Soviet desk, right? So that was run and started by the Nazi uh, part, Nazi uh, spies. So anyway, what did they do? Well, they moved into Western Ukraine. So they've been there ever since. And when, and when you, when you really, it's the perfect place to be if you want to keep touch on the Russians, right? And Ukraine, the other thing that people need to realize is Ukraine was part of Russia. Kiev was the cardinal city of the Rus. When the Rus were becoming a nation, when the first prince of, of Russia started, it was in Kiev. So the idea of Ukraine as a separate nation, it's been the Russian Empire up until after World War II. So we have to, we have to, we have to you know, understand that. Well, and then what, the, the more proximal history that people need to know is what happened in 2014. So during the Obama administration, they, you know, and we're, now it's coming out, you're hearing all this stuff about Burisma is just the tip of a very big iceberg tip. It's just a little part. The Burisma money laundering. Money laundering isn't the big money out of there. Ukraine for a very, very long time has been the center of, you know, money is it's, it's runs money and there's drugs, I'm sure. But it's also uh, sex trafficking, 
child trafficking and the big money is in body part trafficking. And that continues to today. So that's kind of what's been going on in Ukraine. And so in 2014, to get more control of it, the deep state, whatever we want to call them, the cabal, whatever, they staged a color revolution and got rid of the duly elected, might have been a slimeball politician, but Yanukovych might have had his fingers in the purse a little bit, but he was their duly elected president. And he was kind of keeping a peace between the Western kind of Nazified area, the German kind of area, and the Eastern part of Ukraine that was Russian speaking. And that's what you're hearing about today, the Donbass. So the, he kept that kind of nice kind of buffer. Well, then these guys moved in in 2014 and they put in, you know, somebody I can't remember after him. And then it was Poroshenko and then it was uh, Zelensky. And Zelensky was put into place by by a Ukrainian oligarch named Kolomoisky, who started him on a TV show as an actor, you know, man of the people, and then made it a reality. So that's how you got here. And during that period of time, then, they've been slowly violating the, the, the agreement they made at Yalta that, that okay, with, with Stalin, that they would not move NATO to the Russian border that we'll have a buffer zone. That was kind of what Ukraine was about. We'll stay we'll stay west of that, you stay east of it, and we'll just live in commensal bliss. Well, they didn't do that. So in 2014, when all this went down, Putin, and he just announced this, by the way, he, has, he showed uh, some Africans were visiting and were kind of giving him a hard time about the war. And he said, see this document? This is the document signed in 2014 by the Secretary of State and the President, whatever, of Ukraine, agreeing to continue the deal that they're not going to move NATO. They're not going to become part of NATO. They're not going to move NATO east. And they're not going to be sitting on our border as enemies. And that we have this buffer zone and that the Donbass is left alone. That lasted about five minutes after the ink was not even dry. So he has that to prove, and that's what—that's the background of this whole thing. Now, you know, the 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 Russian army, uh, you know, everybody everybody knows army guys get paid. Well, the Wagner PMC was has been around for a lot longer than this war. They but they well they started in 2014 when this whole thing kind of blew up because as soon as the deep state took over the presidency and they got this thing going what did they do they started shelling and and murdering the people that spoke russian in eastern ukraine and that and that's been going on ever since it's been kind of a terror it's kind of a, a silent terrorist war against the russian speakers and now it's that now it's overt but in the process we have to remember too that in 1991 we passed the nun luger act and the nun luger act was this idea that, oh, the Soviet Union's fallen apart and we have to secure their bioweapons, chemical and, and nuclear stores. So we'll help these struggling socialist republics that are economically underserved and we'll help them. And we went up and we bought up those bioweapons labs so that when we hear these congressmen right now talk about, well, we didn't know there was, there were, you, uh, we were in the, there were bioweapons labs in Ukraine. Of course you did. You were giving these people W9s and W4s and you were hiring the bioweaponers to go over and run them. And our, and our tasking to them was to do three things, to bring these labs up to date, to do vaccine research and to do uh, began a function research. We have that on paper. So, uh, you know, this is a lot of smoke and mirrors in our Congress right now about this. I just kind of makes me cringe every time I see them. But it wasn't just Ukraine. I mean, these bioweapons labs are all over and they were overt, like the Luger lab. And in, in response to this, now this is the story. And this is where Yevgeny Prigozhin and the, and the Wagner group get started in theory. You know, it sounds like, it sounds like to me a, a backstory to 
that that sounds good. I, I don't know that this is the real story. So because otherwise you have to believe, which actually does appear to be the case, that a, a mercenary group run by a restaurateur just beat all of NATO, which may in fact be true. But he was a restaurateur. I, I actually think there's probably more truth to that than they want to admit. Well, there might be. But he was a restaurateur, and his story is that he went over to to the Donbass region because there were people standing up malicious, and he gave them money thinking that would help. And he found out, he said, the money's just been wasted as far as I can see. So he got with some ex-Spetsnaz guys from the Russian army, and he said, we need to get – we need to – we need to – get our own defense force going and ergo the start. Of, and he said they actually took old Soviet like flak jackets and weapons and everything and rehabbed. He said, I learned all about this. We rehabbed all this stuff. And then they've been they've been together ever since. And it's a huge organization now. They have a huge building in Moscow. They they've gone to Africa. And he said at one time when he when he thought that maybe they'd be out of this fight, he said, well, that's good. You know, with 20 percent of our forces, we stabilized a, a, a great deal of Central Africa. Think what we could do if we really had free reign and we could really stop the warlords down there. So, you know, if he, they've been going around the world and it's been good PR for the Russians. They helped Assad and Syria when we set up ISIS and did bad stuff over there they came to his rescue so i gotta say i've been on their side watching them for a long time and thinking this isn't what being painted in the western media which is completely 180 degrees out from what i see well what we're seeing here which is very interesting and this is a, a theory that goes with this we're witnessing the west play out the concepts of fourth and fifth and even as we approach ai sixth generation warfare and russia is fighting this in third generation warfare and that's ultimately, and this is a, a, a piece that comes out in Prairie Fire, actually, which is an SF guy that wrote that. And that's his theory, which I will support because I've done a lot of work in fifth generation warfare, is that you defeat fifth generation warfare by fighting a third generation warfare, meaning that the standing army with a good information foundation is more effective than trying to use all these other deceptive means and people out of uniform and these, you know, these militia or these um, mafia-oso type groups. That's kind of your fifth generation model, which we're getting invaded with. When you shift to the third generation warfare model, which is more the standing army, the the Wagner PMC, the uh, the use of more standardized. I mean, it's it's sophisticated what the Russians do in terms of information warfare. But nonetheless, you're waging that as a war. Fourth, in particular, fifth generation warfare can't stand because one of the things that we're seeing in Ukraine, which is all over and it all ties in with the CIA, is what are they using? They're using corporate shells and corporate fronts like they're going to use the Pfizer. They're going to use the Moderna. They're having their labs do the research so they can call it business. And then it's but it's actually war development is what it is. Right, right. Well, and that goes, what you're saying goes along with what you're seeing, in my opinion. I don't make, pretend to be a, a military expert, but the, the I mean, just the quality, what it appears to be, the training, the expertise, and keep in mind, these are not guys that just got thrown into warfare yesterday. They've been training in Africa and, and, and all over the world. Like I say, Syria, they, they have lots of, they're battle-hardened guys, okay? And they know how to work together. And if you add to that, I think it's fabulous what they're doing. You know, one of the things they, the, and I love the, the Western, Western media always has a, a twist that makes it, you know, you know when it's a psyop on our side. So the Western media said, oh, look at those, those the Russians are doomed. Look at, they're bringing out, World War II tanks. Well, what they found, what they were doing actually is, they were they they had 
figured out. This reminds me of Heinz Guderian in World War II when he married radios to tanks for the first time and said, hey, Blitzkrieg, you know, we can do this. We can work as a flotilla now. Well, these guys are marrying drones to tanks and they're just they're just, you know, the, the all these leopard tanks, these big fancy Abrams and things coming up from that the, were given to the Ukrainians and they're driving them across fields without air support because the Russians own the air. Then they're just taking them off with they can spot them with the drones and they can then hammer them with these very competent guns that are just out of date in terms of their ability to see things at a distance. They don't have the electronic warfare stuff in those old tanks, but they're marrying them with drones. And it's just it seems like these guys are doing cool stuff over there. Right. Well, let me give you an anecdote to this because I think it's important. When I was it was in 2014, I think. No, 2013. I was sent over to North or South Korea to take a look at the border and, and among other things, because we were looking at the information warfare space. And one of the places I went was Yongpyeong Island, which is off the coast of North Korea. And it's, uh, I mean, you can see North Korea from the, from the shores of the island. And that was the island where I think it was 2010 or 2011 that they shelled, the North Koreans shelled Yongpyeong Island, okay? Now, that whole story then the media that we got here was that the story was that they were trying to do an invasion and trying to, you know, keep North, keep territory or you know, whatever. What it was actually about was the crab fields, just so we, first of all, we understand. Cause the that's what, what fields? The, I'm sorry. The crab fields. The North oh. Koreans needed food, and Yongpyeong Island represents the most lucrative crab fields in the entire area. So that's what the real war was about, which is, okay. again, nothing that you're hearing in the media, but the North Koreans all, or the Koreans all knew. I had dinner with the lunch, actually, with the owners of the Incheon Fish Market, which is the largest fish market in all of Korea. And that was, you know, they're like, this is what's really going on. All right, but here's what's important. We are all tied into our electronics and our digital sighting and all of this laser range finding and all of these technologies. The North Koreans are using what we consider to be primitive guns. And we hear constantly about how you know, their training is insufficient. They don't have any money. They don't have any of this. Well, let me let me put all this in perspective. This ranging is about 40 miles, and they were firing guns that were apparently underground. They would roll up, and they would fire and then pull back. That's part of their defensive system. They were 100% strategic and accurate with these things. This is a dense little village, one building stacked on another. The first strike took out the post office, which took out mail and communication. The second strike took out the hospital. And the third strike oh, wow. was towards an area with where they were they had the bunker system for people to re retreat into. And the military had its had its hardened shells up there. That's with guns that don't have laser range finding, GPS controllers. This is just accurate, very precision attack. And we saw the same thing happen in Afghanistan with a guy that was ended up in a firefight we had in 2006 unbelievable mortar operator running a mortar which was a it was an 81 millimeter mortar it may have been an 82 cuz i think it was russian but anyway he was running the mortar right and he was the only one out there that had the spine to stand up in the middle of a firefight to run the mortar so the rest of the afghans were hiding in their bunker and he's out here running a single man mortar and he's launching his rounds, and the the ranging on this is about a thousand meters. 
Okay, anywhere from 300, 500, and he's he's firing from defilade, so he's he can't see visually his target, but he can range it by what he saw in the previous day, and he had these strange ranging stakes, which were not done like we did, and he had this little card that he was holding in his hand. I interviewed him later. I said, where did you learn to shoot? And he said, oh, the Mongolians taught me. Well, the Mongolians know how to shoot because they don't. They have mountains and they have high ranging stuff. And they taught him how to shoot. And he basically taught him how to hip shoot, which is a big deal. And this kid was accurate. I mean, to the point that we were getting hit by a Chechnyan sniper and a, and they had a stronghold up on the hill. And he fired one round, got close, fired another round, and then fired it behind the rocks, which is hard to do. That's a high high angle shot, and blew up an entire weapons cache. And it's like, man, this dude really knew what he was doing. So again, no digital ranging, right? And we, so when you talk about what you're talking about with the Russians, oh, well, within capability. I mean, they they yeah. used to use semaphore when we were trying to figure out what to do in terms of locking down for communications and having communications interference. Russians were using flags and semaphore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 they're very effective. And so. But now we have this. I mean, so the, so that brings us up to this week of this this kind of strange series of events, and you know, it, the whole thing reminds me. I don't know if you've heard this this, but I heard this when I was in the military that that there's always deadwood in the in the big forces. You know, the big standing armies and the big whatever. You know, at peacetime, you always accumulate people that are great with paper, but not necessarily your best battle commanders. And that always, so, that, so the statement is you need a little two promotion, three medal war to sort that all out. Well, wh while this, so the big slugfest for Bakhmut happened, and that took months to get these guys. And, they, and the, the, the the Wagner group was the kind of the lead agent in the center of the town and they were taking i mean they would every night i was you know reading this and it was like this by street names they would take this building and this street and it was just a slow methodical slug through this area to to secure the area and as that was happening you started hearing and i'm just blanking on the word in russian it's a funny word because it but it but it means shell hunger and uh you know it comes from the word for holodomor and it 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 means shell hunger. And they kept complaining. Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner group, kept complaining, hey, guys, we're losing people because they don't have enough ammunition. Where is the ammunition? And he was told at the time by these uh, military logistics people that they don't have any ammunition. But then he got insight and got photographs, apparently, of these factories, uh, not factories, of these warehouses of ammunition. So he knew that they were, he he kept talking about how you just don't like us and you're going to let us die here and blah. So it got to be kind of this little feud going on, apparently. But it was never really, you know, other than him, and I didn't blame him for what he was saying. It sounded like he had a real complaint when people died. They lost, and by the way, the Wagner people lost 20,000, 10,000 of their, you know, prisoner recruits and 10,000 of their, their long-term warriors in that fight for Bakhmut. And when you listen to any of them speak, they all said, I mean, they, they even, the, I mean, the prisoners, everybody, um, that this is not about this city or about this this particular fight. This is a fight of ex, this is an existential fight for Russia. They knew it. And they would talk about how it was a fight for their border and it was a fight for their society, that they were being attacked on all levels. 
So anyway, that goes on. But here's what we heard at the end, which I was, which that this one kind of got me. They said they started talking, kind of started talking about how the Russian army had had deserted their flanks, that it was letting them get hit from the flanks, and what was going on. And I found that a little hard to believe. But in any case, because I was on Russian army sites too, and it just didn't. But you know, so what's going on here? And what happened? What happened is the minute that Wagner and the Russian flag went up on that building in Bakhmut at the end of the battle, when they secured the town and they said, we've got it, it's, you know, Bakhmut is ours. Um, then suddenly the Russian army was there and went right around the flanks and, and started moving forward. So it, it looked to me like that was a appear weak when you're strong kind of movement, that that was part of their PSYOP warfare. But then then what happened is they pulled back the they said okay you guys have done your job you've done the the front line slugging of bakhmut we're going to let you now it's artemovs because that's a russian name so now we're going to let you re rest and recover we'll see you in august they were going to give them the couple months off go home we'll go to the camps get some get some reinforcements because they lost these people so that's when this whole thing started last week. And the first thing we saw was a, we heard, and it, it, the video is not convincing. I mean, there's no real video of this, but they said, they, they show you these kind of weird videos about where they were camped, but they don't really show you this. At least I haven't found anything about this so-called strike, but they claim they were shelled and they lost a bunch of people and the shelling came from the rear and that that was the Russian army shelling them. And I, you know, what? And then the next thing you know, they're or they're they're moving up to um rostov and rostov on don and and they're bringing equipment and tanks and everything else because now they're and and they're they're claiming they got hit with helicopters there too and i can't prove that there is a video that looks like that but they claim they were attacked by russian helicopters but when the russian helicopter pilots then they have some russian helicopter pilots that said hey we're not doing this anymore. This was, we were told they were Ukrainians. So they, they'd made it sound like somebody misinformed them. And that's why they were attacking the convoy of the Wagner's going up to Rostov. So that goes over. Then you see all these news reports in Western media, which is pretty funny. I wish I had a picture of them about Putin's got six hours left because there's a revolt. There's a revolution and, and, you know, you know, it's a coup. It's a coup. They love that word. Every Russian media, every American and European media just went crazy over this and they thought they had it. But then you kind of heard these kind of curious things. Like you heard Shoigu, Shoigu that, 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 you know, for the last months, uh, has been the 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 butt of Yevgeny Prigozhin's wrath. You know that Shoigu doesn't know what he's doing, and that's the defense minister. You know he's the chief. He's like the general in charge of the defense ministry. And then his and and this Russian general Gerasimov, who's also somehow he was in there too. I can't remember. If he, he was assistant director, I think, of the defense ministry. They're in the defense ministry building in Rostov as the Wagner groups are going, and they skedaddled. It was rumored that Gerasimov was in an apartment somewhere hiding, and Shoigu fled to Moscow. So now. Then the, the, again, the media in the West are saying, "Oh, it's a it's a coup," and there's all this that the Wagner's are no longer in. You know, they're they're everybody's pissed off at them, and and Putin's out, and it's good. Well, then you see the pictures on the street. Now again, could they all be propaganda? I don't think so. I mean, some of these are pictures that uh, that just the the man on the street are taking. You know, and for example, they show 
uh, they show people giving presents to the group and they they're waving, they're getting selfies with them. Uh, nothing, no violence. You got you got guys in their camouflage uniforms with their feet up on a park stool and they're sitting there talking to people. And, you know, so it's not what we're hearing. There's not a big uh, hatred or backlash going on. And the next thing, then you see them heading north. They're going to head to Moscow now. They're taking the they're taking their complaints to Moscow. And Yevgeny Prigozhin says, we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to get these guys that that hurt us are going to be are going to have to pay for this because they're saying, OK, that we were shelled by the Russian army. We got to get to the bottom of this. Well, what happened, though? I wish I had the map. Oh, I do have the map. I, oh, well, this we're this we're just on audio. So but I have a map that shows their progress. It's really interesting because you see them first coming east from east from Artemovsk or Bakhmut. And then you see them going up a little bit north to the to Rostov, and then they set, start going up a lot north to Moscow. But halfway between Rostov and Moscow, they stop and they turn left. And at that point, it, apparently Yevgeny Prigozhin says, "Well, no, no, we're not going to shed Russian blood. No, we're not. We're not in a fight with the Russians." And what does and 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 then on the Wagner sites, there are all these things happening. Like they're showing these now. If the if the Wagners were being you know hunted by the Russians and they're all just going on, why would they be putting this stuff on the site? They said, turn on every electronic device and listen to Putin's speech, you know. And then Putin's speech comes out, and he didn't really say too much. But one of the things you see, he did say, he says, Wagner, Wagner, Wagner. You keep hearing this. But, you know, what we need to do is we need to to make, the, you know, make military traitors will be held responsible. That's what he said. But he did not say the Wagners were the military traitors. Right. <laughs> I, I think there's a couple of things in here in, in looking at you know your research and a lot of research I've done. And I think that this is very interesting. So we go back to the first event with the shortage of ammo. OK. Yeah. And this is the thing that I keep saying is we're watching a war and a dispute occur on social media, which is not where the real dispute is. That's right. that's prepping your battlefield. If there's one thing that we've learned about Russians since they went into Georgia and Chechnya years ago is how sophisticated their information ops were because it comes from the root. It goes back to, to Peter the Great and the, the intelligence network he had there to defeat the Europeans and Jesuits, which are exactly where they're fighting again, right? So we are... We're looking here at this event where Wagner Group is coming out and saying we're short on ammo. I think all that was is part of making the public case. Yes, And of exposing course. them, right? So that is the preparation for what we see coming because I think at this point, the CIA and the FBI are already involved in trying to do two things, pay off and probably other foreign intelligence agencies, but they're the key ones here, trying to buy into the Russian army and potentially buy into Wagner Group That's what to we're create to. a coup. Right. Yeah. And then the other element is they were prepping the ground to steal the cesium. So the question yes. is, yes. so this is interesting because I want you to talk about these two things because this leads then to the culmination of event, which is literally Putin purging out the Western infiltrators. But the cesium piece is important because it makes me wonder if the Wagner groups approach that way was to cut off the avenue or access for those carrying the cesium. That's what I'm wondering. Well, or this whole thing in the information space basically was to flush out the guys involved and to see who's really on what side. This is my point is at this point now they're 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 in theory threatening Moscow, but they're really not that close to, to the thing. To and and yes, you had two things going on at the same time. You had and the cesium 
was the FSB suddenly finds a group of people that were smuggling cesium out of 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 Russia. So and the presumably what do you do with cesium? I mean, you make a dirty bomb. So sure. we think, you know, early on, by the way, if you remember back early on before the whole big movement into Ukraine, what they had is they had the Spetsnaz go in and the and a few I don't know what the other units were, but they went in early and they secured these bioweapons labs in Chernobyl. Remember when the Spetsnaz went into Chernobyl? Oh, yes, very much so. And which, by the way, is another crazy thing. We've been told Chernobyl's an unlivable place, and they walk into Chernobyl and turn the thing back on. Right. Well, what people don't realize is, you know, Chernobyl had, I can't remember how many towers, but they even after the accident, they've been producing electricity nonstop for Ukraine ever since the, the blast. Okay, the so-called crisis of Chernobyl. You know, there's a lot of that's a whole other story. There's a lot of misinformation about uh, radiation and risk and damage and what's going on there. But the animals are all back. People are back in that little town. And but what what was interesting at the time was that the Russians, that Putin, and you know, he was FSB. He knows how to get information. You knew he had intel before he sent these people in there. What they did is you could see by the Russian newspapers. I mean, the, not the Russian newspapers, the Western newspapers, kind of screaming, screeching that what there was actually going on, you could kind of put it together. But they said, those darn Russians, they went in and they uh, they they occupied this area, Chernobyl, and they're going to, they're going to, they've turned off the electricity. They're going to just cause the whole thing to blow and irradiate the whole thing. Well, nothing, none of that happened. What they did is they went in, they turned it off momentarily. They apparently went down below somehow and got some fissionable material and removed it. That's what the that's what because the, then the then the, the the newspapers in the West said those darn Russians they went in there and you know because nothing happened Putin didn't nuke Paris that was the first thing they said oh he's going to go in there and take Chernobyl and nuke Paris and then he's going to go make a dirty bomb and then none of that happened but what they did is remove some fissionable material so now we have the FSB finding another group trying to smuggle out cesium to make, it wouldn't be necessarily fissionable but make a dirty bomb um, and. And uh, and just about this time, uh, as all this is happening, then <laughs> the the Wagner Group gets oh Lukashenko comes in to mediate, and he says, you know, well, you know, let's let's I'll mediate between the Wagner Group, Yevgeny Prigozhin and Prigozhin and, and Putin, and he does that. And what happens? He says, well, you guys come over, come over to Belarus, and we'll just all you know calm down. So what you've seen happen, in my opinion, is an entire uh, repositioning of frontline troops with their equipment from their place of rest back behind our Damascus and went over to within 100 miles north of Kiev. While the Russian army, by the way, is still southeast of Kiev, they're still, they're still moving forward from our Damascus. And now we've got the Wagner Group coming from the north. You've got a pincer operation going on, and they moved all these men and materiel, and nobody squeaked. Nobody realized it was a it was a tactical move on the battlefield, I think, of all these people. Now, I'm not like I say, we'll see. You see what you think. Well, while purging out the dissenters. And oh, yes. And while purging out. And, and did you see and the other? Oh, and the, I'll tell you another clue. Here's another reason I got very suspicious about this whole coup notion. That they had these two generals and I don't remember their names. Uh, one was a lieutenant general. One was a full general. And they were they were being interviewed. OK, or they were they were making a statement like we want the the Wagner's. This is terrible treason. We don't want the Wagner's to put down their weapons kind of thing. That was the, the, the idea. But but when you look at them, OK, and, and you probably saw this more than I do. 
these these two guys look like they're in an interrogation room in a cop shop. They're they're in a there's a plain wall with nothing behind them. They're certainly not in some headquarters place, their desk or any place that they would be. There there's a desk in front of them that's bare. The walls bare, and their uniforms are rumpled and bare. They're wearing these rumpled, un unsharp, um, khaki uniforms, and they have no insignia. When have you ever seen a general officer or a senior officer of any rank, an officer of any rank, even in a worst battle zone that doesn't have an insignia on him? They're blacked out. All right, but especially Russians. Especially Russian. When you see the generals in Russia, they're all squared away like star heavy right. starch, perfect metals, everything. So that's not right. And I looked at that and I said, those guys look like they're they're prisoners. They or they're being forced to say this because I have a feeling they were they were part of this, you know, this this and it's it sounds like it was all over kind of cheesy making a few rubles in the black market. That's the other side of this thing. They were selling this ammunition, I think, and this other stuff. I'm still going with the piece that the CIA was dropping. That's six point two billion. Well, that's the other piece. Now I can't prove that one, but it does seem that's the rumor that the the CIA thought they got the they they would take advantage of this fight between Prigozhin and and Putin because they very effectively did their psyop, I think, and they thought they would take advantage of it, and they gave them the six point two billion to because they suddenly how they suddenly came up with it just before all this happened. They suddenly came up with a six point two billion error that we had to give them all this money suddenly, and so they just took it up. I don't know if you've seen that video, but there's a great little meme video about the, the it looks it's like i don't know if that's braveheart or whatever but there's it's like a king a king in knight's armor and he's looking at this other guy and the king's labeled cia and the other guy's labeled Zelensky. and then you have these two forces one a little smaller than the other and they're charging each other on the battlefield and one's labeled you know wagner and one's labeled you know russian army and they get to the middle and they just start hugging each other and they say and, yes. and who's got and we got 6.2 billion <laughs> Wouldn't that be the, the yeah? That's I think that's very possible. Ticket. You know, my theory is that when they went into the the command center, that would, they were just delivering six point two billion. They needed the whole armored group for Wagner to bring in the six point two billion. I don't know. It but I could mean, that's be just... actually that could be. I mean, they it, it looks to me like that's it's something like that. But uh, <laughs> you know, so here's here's something I think it's important that we because we've hit on this a lot of different ways. But what's really important is to realize. And this gets into one of these things where we say the military is the only way. And that's a Q statement. Yeah. Which I think we can say very viably that from a main body force at this point in time, I'm talking Western, and I can speak authoritatively here, that's not actually a true statement, okay? Except this. When it comes to the nuclear weapons arsenals of the world, yeah. what is becoming increasingly clear is that the militaries are in control of those and that the civilian governments, which are the puppets of the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and the others, these other 13 families, they are the ones that can't get access to it. They want nothing more right now than to provoke a thermal nuclear war, yeah, global thermal nuclear war. They want it. it. Yeah. Well, they need it because it's, there's too much percolating up. Last week, during the midst of all that craziness, in spite of Wagner, in spite of the, the, the yellow submarine event, <laughs> in spite of all these ridiculous yellow stories submarine. that were coming out, that out of the top 10 news stories of the week, four of them were related to child sex trafficking. And one of them, this is something else, by the way, which yep. was missed, and it's an important detail. Do you know what happened just before they launched the fake coup against Putin? 
he signed an act which forbid transgender oh, surgeries yeah. in nice. his nation. You can't you can't disconnect that because no. this whole agenda of it's coming out of the Nazi um, American Nazi Party and and the American Nazi government, which because we're an occupied state but now, we, we might as well just admit it and quit staying we're American because we're not. It's we're being run by the the American Nazi Communist Association, which is the Uniparty which is a corporate-private partnership, which goes right back to that whole fascist model that was under Hitler right. anyway. So it's a corporate-private partnership of fascists and, and communists that have come together under a banner in which their real flag is the rainbow flag. That is their pedophile yeah. flag. That is what they're fighting under. And it's, and it's got that purple crap on the back of it that when you put four of them together, you get a swastika in the middle. So that's their real flag, right, the pedo flag. And that's what's occupying the states and their mechanisms is the leverage power of the corporate influence world, right? And that's pitting against the real armies of the ground, but they don't have control over the nuclear arsenals. Yeah. And right now, as these stories are percolating up, the greatest thing that they are, I think, in the sense of being afraid, and you will know more about this than I do, but my understanding of psychopaths is they don't show normal senses of fear. They, they get angry and they become agitated and aggressive, but they also get clumsy. They don't, if fear doesn't manifest in a psychopath the same way it does in a normal human being. Is that a fair statement? I, th I think that's a fair statement. I won't pretend to be a, an expert on psychiatry either, but sci I can tell you that psychopathology is not what we've been taught by the TV shows like on Jeffrey Dahmer and things, that psychopaths tend not to be, I mean, they can be loners, but all this stuff that they always want to blame on the lone gunman and the lone, you know, nutcase and the lone, a lot of this is coordinated um, with this whole pedophilia, satanic uh, cabal. I mean, that unfortunately, that's true. This is because one of the things, I'm I'm actually giving a talk at uh, Red Pill in Des Moines in uh, August on, and I I I think G. Edward Griffin called me and I think he was worried about my top title, but I said it's time to name the enemy. Okay, and I think it's important to understand who the enemy is, even though if we can't give them names. I mean, yeah, you can. It's easy to poke poke at Rothschild and poke at you know Bill Gates and Fauci and everything, but that doesn't really give us a target that doesn't really explain the warfare that we're in and i think it's i always show this i was on a some show and i i said you got any last words about this i said yeah here's the picture of Zelensky with his little symbol on his chest that he always has and that's the that's the symbol of you modern ukraine the blue and gold with this little bar like symbol and he said, and here's the symbol of the old Khazarian Tomga, the ancient uh, symbol of the people that were uh, driven out by Prince Sviatoslav because they wouldn't stop uh, killing and, and, and sacrificing children and molesting their neighbors in all sorts of ways. And so the and the third symbol is the symbol of Moloch, the god of child sacrifice, and they all look identical. It's just the, the Ukraine is the more modern version of the symbol of Moloch. Yes, you got You got to ask yourself: Is this really an accident? Yeah. Um, you know, I. I mean, it's 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 kind of like the Denver airport. Is it an accident? It looks like a swastika from the top. Right. You know, I mean, these these um, there's a lot of this. You know, I think it was Manly P. Hall that said, uh, 
you know, when when we learn to to read, when people learn to read the language of symbolism, then their you know the the shackles will fall from their eyes. They'll be able to see clearly what's going on here. And these the, our enemy speaks with symbolism and with the ancient tongue, and they use it against us. And um, they they're laughing at us and telling us stories about things. And that's really whatever this is. This is a I think the thing that why I'm so fascinated and hanging on this ukrainian russian thing like a cheap suit is because it's the nexus in the world right now of the spiritual war and the kinetic war and at some point if you believe in child sacrifice and 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 the ukrainians let me be clear are victimized here too in fact the ukrainian army is being body parted out you know they've got black transplantologists and they are illegally and immorally taking body parts from the near dead Ukrainian soldiers. So the mothers can't even get their, their dead son's body back. I mean, this is unbelievable, but this is the biggest money in the world. And this is what's running the deep state. So we need to really understand why when, you know, and it's, isn't it something here we are, you know, for those of us who, who were in the military during the cold war and after a little bit, I mean, it, to me, it's just unbelievable that we are now in the situation where we have the president of Russia calling us Satanists. And he's right. <laughs> it's hard to argue with him. Putin's dead on. That's that's a Satanist and pedophiles. I mean, this this is what's running our nation. Right. I mean, that, that's that's literally when if you're that again, I go back to I mean, I did a show just recently about planting the flag, the importance of the flag. And you mentioned it a minute ago, which is another important story. So we look at Iwo Jima, right? That was a big story of the flag. Look at the Russians in doing planting the flag on the Reichstag in Germany, right? It's very important. Um, then you look at the like what just happened. You mentioned with Wagner Group when they planted the flag on the building, right? These are not. This is not casual statements. These are right. taking territory. Well, this whole month of um, be a pedophile celebrate being a pedophile month right now is all about planting flags. So you have now seen in this month that every single U.S. embassy has now been cross-flagged. They've been cross-flagged with the U.S. and the pedophile flag, which is the new flag. That's the flag. The flag under the U.S. is the administrative control over the country. That's who our right. occupiers are. And what they have done is they've established knowledge to everybody in the world that the U.S. is occupied. If you understand the symbolism, you understand what's going on. The right. same with everywhere they plant one of these flags or they carry the flags. This is them taking territory, right? And this is, again, as we watch this in this motion, this is the pedophile movement, which all of these people, you go back and start looking at, I was doing a piece this morning, going through a piece that came out of Ukraine, interestingly, of the history of homosexuality. And it goes back to the writers of the lost generation. It goes back to these influencers that have moved through and said, and where did they all settle in? Writing the arts is where they settled in. And that's how they got their networks built and then into government. And then once they were able to bring in the, uh, the, the powers that go with all the, the agencies, the intelligence agencies to be able to get seated in there and use their skills to blackmail people, then it's just an echo. It's just a, a, a growing cancer. It's literally what we're witnessing here because we wonder how this stuff comes out of nowhere. Well, it's blackmail and leverage, and it's driven by psychopathic pedophiles that are right. that are in this that and practice this, the old religion. Yes, and and this I mean, is, it's, they it's don't part want of you to religion. know this. 
It is, and they don't want you to know this. They, they mean that they're going to deny it and lie to your and face. That's, you know, this is you know, you think the mafia was was secretive. You know, the mafia kept control. People that took to the Balachi papers. You know, he was like the after years and years, nobody squealed on the mafia. Well, that's but as as things liberalized and the what people would put up with and you couldn't you couldn't keep people controlled because they got divorced and they didn't want anybody to know or the, then it was they they'd be gay and nobody cared you know they, they, there were a lot of things that they used to be able to control people with they couldn't but the one thing they can still control people with is having sex with underage children or raping or murdering underage children you know mm -hmm. that is so evil that when they get you stuck in that you are really caught and so this umbrella of power that has enmeshed the world it's not one of the reasons i think the point about the military is the only way is that whatever you know we can interpret that in multiple ways but the bottom line is how do you vote your way around when they've got all the politicians and all the all the uh minions in the voting sector controlled how do you how do you uh adjudicate your way out when you own all the senior judges you don't that's where we are and somebody said to me the other day well this russian okay so it's a purge but you know that kind of we just that's kind of kind of creepy that they're just kind of getting rid of these guys i said you know what they're getting rid of traitors they they pulled them out they're they're going to get rid of traitors within the russian military and the and the supply chain and things and um what do we do? We let them sit in Congress for 30 years. We let them destroy our military by, yeah. by promoting, by letting presidents promote traitors to the highest ranks. That's what we do. And so you got to say, it may not be what we we think of. We're so we're so worried about fairness that we're not taking, that we're not holding people accountable. Well, and here's where it gets worse because, and this is the point of this piece, a couple of pieces I went through this morning, position I've held for some time. We like to say things like, it doesn't matter what you do in your bedroom, don't bring it into the kids. The problem, it, it does matter because we're seeing the result of that passivity towards lifestyle. And I know this makes people feel uncomfortable because it's like my free will. It's, it's like, yeah, except this. You can't Histor bring it to the kids. You, you can't have it. I mean, the problem is once it starts there, they seek the kids. They're, they're, they're uncontrollable. This is their, I mean, I, I've said this very openly and it makes people uncomfortable and I'm just like, some, not all, not my following, I don't think. But if you follow this, the whole legalization of homosexuality and the behaviors that go along with it, we start with one thing and we arrive because they have no limit. They have no throttle. They have no stop. We arrive at where we are today with an entire movement that's wrapped around a rainbow flag calling itself LGBTQAI plus and whatever that has grown from the simple creating legality of a, of a sinful act that we get to the point now where now it's like kids are full game where they're walking down the streets telling you we're going to go after your kids. I mean, right, they've that had just two, they were right. And they have had two you. video productions come out of the, the gay movement in San Francisco with the, gay men's singing group that have said the exact same thing in the last three years. Literally, we're coming for your kids. It's like, all right, when are you going to get the message that this group cannot have, you can't allow it? I mean, it's ironic because at the core of what they're doing is fascism in the worst possible way. If someone says, as an example, notice how we do this, because it's a sexual behavior, somehow we say, I don't know how we get here, but it's okay what you do in your bedroom. But if somebody flies a Nazi flag in your home, in their home, we go after them. 
You can't put right. a Nazi flag in your window without somebody coming at you. You put a, a pride flag and you're like, oh, well, you're, 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 uh, you might like kids too, but that's okay. It's your choice. We can't have that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would argue though, that what we have to do is say, you should be able to fly the Nazi flag in your bedroom or in your house. You know, that's, we have to, we have to, at some point, your house is your house. It's your, your kingdom. It's when you, hurt your own children or hurt other people's children you get out of that you 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 take it the next step and honestly the next step was was really legalizing homosexual marriage now you know again i know a lot of couples that are that are gay couples that are just fine they're not our problem okay but the minute that they brought it into government it became our problem mm -hmm. and then the, the and so the answer and i said this when i was a libertarian candidate i said the answer is not limiting gay people from getting married because there's no place in the country that you can't go in the United States. This is long before and, and have two people stand up in front of God, their family and their friends and declare their undying love and be signed a sign in the Bible or something that they're going to be married. But uh, the answer is, why do we go to the government and get a license? The answer is because the licensing is what got us involved in all this, and the licensing came about because after Civil War, they didn't most – most of the reason for licensing – I mean, it goes way back, but the formal licensing of marriage, for example, was about uh, not blacks, not whites, not marrying each other. Well, again, if the answer is let's get the government back into its little genie bottle where it needs to be, and let's not anybody use any of this. Like you're saying, it's a – they're using this the, – the satanic cabal is using this to wedge they wedge in there, just like they used medicine. They said it's not fair not to have subsidized medicine because poor people can't afford their own medical care. Well, that subsidized medicine means the government gets in and they take over and they ultimately kill you. I just think that's our that's the general principle. I we, would we say. won't we won't go down too far into this, but I just no, want to say. But this, I just that, think there's a yeah. general principle that we need to look back on ourselves. You know, it's like it's like what's this whole thing about marriage licenses and who's who and what's it? It's all about entitlements. When, at the end of the day, for well, I for agree the, with that, but I just the, want to point out that the fight that is going on for the sake of humanity. Okay, yeah, if we're going to be totally yeah, honest. That's a different level, right? But watch what I'm going to say here: the fight for the for the future of humanity is between the Nazi pedophiles and the Christian right and the Christian the Christian righteous not righteous but righteous. So when Putin is out here banning transgenders and and banning LGBTQ movements, he's understanding what he's doing because he understands what they're trying to do. You know, so while right. we talk about like what you do in your bedroom, okay, that's all fine and good. Fly a Nazi flag in your house. The question is can you keep it there? And the answer is 100% of the time, no, they can't. Yeah. It I, doesn't stay within I the boundaries. Right. And this is the problem we have here is this is a moral and social cancer. And ultimately, if to do exactly what you're saying, if we go to the root of it, what is it? It's a satanic cult that also feeds on demonic activity, which at the end of the day, it deals with possession and sacrifice. Those two things all, it's like one big rabbit hole you go yep. into and you're like, oh, well, look at that, wouldn't you know? And so like you said, how is it possible that we arrive at this point, if we don't account for that, we arrive at this point with a war in Ukraine and we follow those symbolisms of their own symbol of Ukraine and it takes us to Baal, which is the sacrifice <laughs> god of, of Satan. Right. And it's like, wow, everything loops. And so as a buddy of mine said over the weekend, 
and he's a he's been a I would just call him a centrist. He's worked with both sides and but the line that was crossed and he's a really good operator, but the the line that was crossed is when they said we're coming for your kids. And and, he's, your and kids, his comment yeah. to me was this, there's only two places to stand now. Either you're with the pedos or you're with the Christians. That's it. And it's like, okay. That's I mean, he's right. He's right. Yeah. And that's the world it's I think that Americans are having a very difficult will have a very difficult time dealing with this because they have been so indoctrinated to accommodate and this idea of being a melting pot, we can all be together. The accommodation right. comes at a cost. And the problem is if I, I again, and we're going to water down the war in Ukraine and the war in our streets are one and the same. It's the fascist pedos versus the Christians. That is the war. Everybody else that thinks they can sit on the side, you're not, you're either going to have, you're going to have to take a side. We're not, there's no middle ground anymore. Right. I, I just wanted to throw up on my shoes when I was at a, a GOP meeting that was the it, I just went in to watch. It was the the local, very small county local. Um, what do you call it? The kind of the, the pre-election mm -hmm. meeting. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on it, the name of it. But anyway, you know what I mean? It's not the, it's not your monthly meetings. Like your, your, your primary where meetings you go or something the, like the, the kind of the primary anyway and the and some local minister got up and gave a prayer to ukraine to start it and i wanted to say do you not know that they are murdering or well at least we think they are that we know that they're throwing orthodox russian-speaking orthodox priests yeah. out of their out of their churches desecrating the churches desecrating the icons and uh you know you see that that's one of the things that i noticed early on the, the wagner guys they'd go through and the russian army when they would go through these are russian orthodox troops and these guys would go through and and they would restore it as best they could and then move on you know they wouldn't they they were trying to that was some of the most moving footage was watching the wagner yeah. and russian troops go through the 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 churches and synagogues i don't know if they were synagogues churches mm -hmm. That the Orthodox churches that had been ravaged, and to watch right. the absolute, uh, just the holiness of the way that they were in there. Those those were not made up videos. Reverence. The reverence is the right term. Yeah. Yeah, and they and they and they they would after they put the the icons back up, they themselves would pray and and do their little ceremony and go. Right. You know, no, I mean, it's they, had, they were clearly in the middle of the war, but they, yeah. No, it's really amazing. All right, so I've got to ask you a question because you sent me a f off topic, and we're going to go into a little different topic now. But something you sent me a photo of, and I, I just, I was laughing. You know, I was laughing. You sent me a photo because you have bees now, by the way. <laughs> yeah, okay, like and, you. And so, yeah, and I, I have, I have three hives. I'm supposed to get two more this week. We'll see. But you have your your bees out there, and you're on down on the side of the box with your stethoscope. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, okay. seriously, right. I, I have to be honest. In all the things I've seen with bees, I've not seen at the stethoscope inspection process. Well, I just so I, I had a, I put a I put it on my telegram. We said auscultation of bees. That's the term we <laughs> use for auscultation. It means listen to somebody's just. So yeah. So uh, my so my listen. I'm trying to think how old my hive is. I think it's only like four months or three months. I've had it. I think I got the bees in no, maybe not even that. About two months. So. You know, I see some activity and and um, and but it's been a little dry and I've, I've actually been going out every day and I put a little water. In fact, I use chlorine dioxide a little bit in the water and I spread it on the front and and slice it over, splash it over the, the 
the the hive just because I think they might need some moisture. And man, they come out and they love it, you know. So I see the bees getting bigger and I see them, but I just don't see the big numbers that I used to when I had a hive in North Carolina. That was years ago. So I just thought, let me, you know, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to disturb them. I didn't want to lift off the <laughs> lid to see what was going on. I don't, I'm not worried about lifting it off, but I just didn't want to disturb the their work. So I thought, I'll just listen to see. And it was very interesting. So I, first of all, I listened and I didn't hear anything. And I was kind of worried. It's kind of like listening to somebody's chest and you don't hear any crackles. You move the stethoscope around. Right? Right, so right. I started moving it around and then I started hearing a hum you know, wow, hmm. nice. but what was interesting is, so it's all concentrated in an area in the, right now on this one side, on the North side of the hive. If I listen to anywhere else, I don't hear anything, but right in that middle box where presumably the queen is, uh, there's an area probably eight inches in diameter where I hear the humming and it's cyclic. The interesting, I don't know if anybody's ever done this and I don't know if there's any re you know research on this, but I heard them and they would be going, hmm. And it would be quiet for a second. Then, so they're not always buzzing all the time. Very interesting. I don't know what it means, but I just saw that. But but it kind of gives me an idea how much of the hive is getting filled. I think. Well, they so they do to... tend to build from center, and they're going to build yeah. out. And as they, and I'm not. I'm, I'm going to talk like I'm an expert. I'm I'm new to bees, so I've just learned this. But as you, um, as they build out, they're going to build out to where the outer couple frames are probably not going to be filled. And then what they'll do is, and they'll, they'll, that's where I noticed you've already got your, you've got two large boxes and I think a medium box, right? Yeah, your, those super, yeah. Right, so they're going to build into the second one. And then at some point, which you, what I need to get is what's called a queen excluder. So that's that, what I've got. And, and I need to put it between the, the top, when I put on a, a, a medium box, I need to put it between the top, the two lower large boxes and the medium box so that the bees can go up and make honey, but the, they won't put any brood up there. Right. That's what I have because I didn't want to have to deal. I didn't have, they didn't have, I don't remember them having queen excluders years ago in the eighties when I started doing this in North Carolina. So, you, you know, whenever you, whenever you opened up the hive and you want to get some honey, there would be, you know, some baby bees in the, in the. Well, and I, I'm, stuff, I have so. to go down and inspect mine. I haven't done it this week. I've been intending to, but I've got the two big ones on. I haven't checked them for about three weeks. Which is good. I went down and watched them. I was making sure, and they're busy. And, you know, I love bees in the sense that they're like, we don't need you. Just let us do our thing. <laughs> we're, 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 we know what our mission is here. Our mission is to make honey and brood, right? It's pretty straightforward. But I, I to be honest, I've never, you, you have to send that picture to the resistance chicks because I've never seen anybody do. Okay, yeah. Well, here's the other thing I learned. So I had, um, uh, Matt Rusky on the podcast last night, and he's oh, the yes. electroculture guru. And I asked him about he he made some comment about bees, like when you mm -hmm. when you put up these antennas, uh, the you know, so the thing I learned first is these antennas magnetize your soil. They 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 restore the charge of your soil, so the plants can actually have their sap and everything run into their roots are opened up and everything works better. But it's more than that. He said, when you put the more antennas you put up, the more it clears out the atmosphere. And with all this EMF junk going around and with this chemtrails and everything, what you'll notice is your atmosphere in your area will be better. And the more people that do this, the more the bigger the atmosphere, it's kind of like a, hmm, a, an aura around that area. And he said, you'll see more insects, more um, more butterflies, more birds, everything starts coming into your garden, which I have noticed. But the bees... Uh, I said, how about the bees? And he said, oh, they love it. They'll love it. It's not going to, because I said, I, I put one down there, but I didn't, he said, 
people that put it right close to the hive notice a difference. So I'm going to move my antenna a little this. closer to the hive. And yeah, they are so easy. easy to make. I don't know how you do it. I, I, I just, I don't put, I don't put them around wood. I wrap them around a PVC piece and pull it off. So that's just straight up copper in a coil with a coil going right into the ground. Well, and that'll work. He says the benefit of having local wood is it has the resonance kind of it's grown up in the resonance of your don't don't buy wood okay. elsewhere, but just take a, a branch that you have that's that's straight and just put it in the put, put it in the soil. It's best to get it up over six feet. That's why you kind of having a branch is helpful. You want to get it into the ether. So you need to kind of go above six feet, according to him. But I'm going to I'm going to move oh, it closer to the bees. But the other thing I've heard is that just the. Uh, like people with PTSD and and for lots of things, just going down and listening to the bees, ha being around their humming, you know, they're humming and they're they're they actually cavitate. They don't really fly by flapping, you know, they cavitate, and it's levitation in a way. So their humming is 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 a is a resonance that is healing apparently. So, well, that that's not okay. So that's interesting what you said because. I, I know you shared that with me when I, I got this from Pastor Brad Cummings and Kelly, okay. his wife, and they work with a Ukrainian, former Ukrainian beekeeper. Wow. Try this one. And he talks about how they were curing people of all sorts of ills, including PTSD, by having them sleep in between the hives for like three different nights. Wow. So... And they would set up a bed, and then they would put them between the hives, and it was the the frequencies of the hive that are actually healing the body. I totally buy into that. I should get another, at least another I, hive, then, so I have a. a you need to have two hives, two and hives. you need to put a mattress out there, and then go out there at night, and then just lay down next to the hives and sleep. Wow, have you ever tried now? So you and I have this classic hives with the boxes, the Langenroth or whatever they're called hives. But have you ever tried those top? those top hives they say that to put them by a garden that's the one um you're talking about yeah the, the long they ones look like the, just a v-shape of wood and they've got a little roof over them i don't quite know how they work but well they're, they're similar it's just it's supposed to be easier access because you can lift it up and then have access to everything right there i've heard mixed reviews on them not enough positive or negative to sway me okay. i mean i'm just i, I kind of stayed with the traditional way of doing things which i think you have more personally what i like about the way that the traditional way is, is the, you have a box of honey that you can pull out, right? I mean, yeah. that's physically you're pulling out the box of honey, which is a, it makes processing much easier. Yeah. So, yeah. And I didn't really start it for the honey as much as I wanted the pollinators, but now, you know, I heard, I read somewhere just the other day, 50% of the beehives died like last year or year before oh it's incredible numbers and a lot of this is the is this gmo garbage these uh, gmo seeds matched by these highly uh, modified pesticides and herbicides yeah. that are killing their the plants are is exuding a some sort of toxin as i understand it and then the they're spraying these things to ex work with that and it's just slaughtering the bees That's and they're going to blame it. it on uh hive collapse or a mite they're, they're blaming it on a mite, and they literally right. want us to vaccinate the bees in my state. Are oh, you yeah, kidding me? That's another one. <laughs> yeah, they did that. In, so, it did, you know, they did this in Australia, but it's horrible because what they've been doing is if you won't, if you're, they have a mite that they claim is there, they don't test for it. They just come in and say to them, your bees are in the area of a, of a mite. And I've, the footage on it is devastating to watch because they literally just soak the whole hive with kerosene and light it no, off, no. and they burn the hives right there. 
I mean, these these people are criminal. They're they're actually everything they're doing. The design plan is always to destroy the the source of food, so that we have to become reliant on their manufactured genetic crap that they want to feed us. But what's amazing to me are the number of willful fools and idiots out here that go along with this that cease to think. I mean, there's just there's a there's a disconnect. It's like why would you? They're doing this with white-tailed deer in in in, uh, yeah. in Texas right now. If there's a supposedly a brain parasite, which they can only determine if they have it if they kill the animal, so they can't prove they have it. But then when they do say they, the only way that they can prevent it, they say, is to kill the whole herd. So, I mean, think of the logic of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad like they, going, th that's going to be the next move for humans. That's, that is their move for humans. Right. We, it we're is the next move. We're just practicing. We're just going to kill you all. <laughs> right. And people will be like, there'll be a whole bunch of people going, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, only when you start uh, with those guys I volunteer. over there. Not me. <laughs> oh <my laughs> that's that's the, the thinking. It's insane. So what else do you have going on in your research, which you've been heavily in Wagner and you've been doing bees with a stethoscope, which is amazing. And what else? Well, I guess I, I guess the crazy lack of true history. I mean, you know, I, I, I like old parts, the out of place artifacts and these things that they tell us that just can't be true. To me, that that's kind of important to wake people up, because when you show them things that they've learned in childhood and they believed all their lives and it just can't be true. That kind of shakes you that what else are they lying to me about? Um, you yeah, know, and, and like point. one of them is uh, these medieval and Renaissance paintings that they claim were made and beautiful, very detailed. We've all seen them, uh, you know, these really beautiful use of light and highly detailed paintings that they claim were like the Dutch, the Flemish school, for example. And they claim that they were they were created in the 1400s and 1500s but they they were made in those days theoretically with with oil paints that were made with a mortar and pestle now now we have non radio or we have radiographic ways of non-destructive uh, assays of these paintings to figure out how they were built and they the art the art people are looking at these and they they realize they some of these paintings they're made with two and five micron layers so What's the story there? How can that possibly be? Uh, those are two and five micron isn't even modern oil paints. We're talking about very sophisticated chemistry for laser uh, printing ink kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that's one of those ones or the, the great megalith, the Baalbek, you know, that they, they claim was made, were made with, you know, slaves and, and ropes and, and just good luck. You know, well, it doesn't work that way. We, they've tried. Wouldn't that be a riot if we discovered like ancient technology that was a HP3 uh, inkjet printer that was doing all these paintings that people are paying millions for? Well, yeah. Or the time. See, so, yeah, one of these things is wrong. Either, either, right. either there was there that there are, we are rediscovering, and I, I think part of, part of me has come to the belief that our history has been cyc we've been cyclically destroyed on this planet, and there was a much more advanced civilization in the past that was worldwide, and we have re we have they have systematically destroyed evidence of it as much as they can, but there's certain certain things that creep out, and it creeps out in our language. So, for example, in my little county. Um, actually, Iowa is an interesting state because unlike other states, we have 99 separate counties that are all about the same size, equally spaced in the state. And we're in the center of the nation. And then in, in the center of Iowa is this big Taj Mahal domed capital that with this beautiful gold dome and the oversized doors and windows and everything that we associate with the old, old buildings. And then 
every but every little county has the same kind of building with this dome, right? There's something unusual about that. And if anybody's been following the Tartarian disclosure kind of stuff, is there was there really, you know, see, you find old globes, old maps that have Tartaria, which is kind of where Russia is today, you know? So there's this ancient civilization. And I, the thing that got me looking at this in my own state was my grandfather, my great-grandfather homesteaded here when there was very low population. I mean, a couple thousand people in 1871. And they claim that in by 1910, and he was in a covered wagon. I mean, I heard all these stories from my grandfather and grandmother. The, the, he was he came out here from Kentucky and Tennessee with a, in a covered wagon with some oxen and, and shovels. I mean, that's literally what they, it was really the homesteading kind of stuff. They didn't have anything meant to, to make a lot of money and there wasn't a lot of uh, equipment and, and whatever. But by 1910, they claimed they had built this magnificent courthouse made of big stone blocks and a dome and fabulous mosaic floors and beautiful brass handrails and everything. It cost $875,000 in 1910. That's a lot of money for a little farming uh, for then. And we are the we are I we might still be, but we are traditionally when my dad was alive, he told me this. We would have been the second poorest county in Iowa. Very hilly, not the best farmland, not the bottomland, you know. So what's going on here? And then I started thinking about it. So then a friend of mine says, oh, you're crazy. I went down. So I went down to the courthouse to try and find a picture of the building of the building. And I couldn't find one, but they gave me a little story about it. But somebody else had found at the uh, Historical Society a picture of the building of the building, they claim. But it just shows them putting on some blocks. It shows some cranes up there and then putting on some blocks. But think of the words, foundation. We build a building on a foundation. Like we found things. I'm thinking, you know, it's like when I- Oh, found, an, found a nation. We, yeah, and we found- these buildings and we've reconstructed things you know i don't think these were built by my i don't think these were completely paid for and built in 1910 by these poor farmers that had shovels i mean my grandfather was i'm going to go back my grandfather has a diary and i'm going to go back and review everything he wrote about this it's like 1918 i went and reviewed what he said about 1918 and this is the equivalent of the the great pandemic you know and it started in our neighboring state of kansas you would think if it was such a pandemic it would have spread to iowa right we're on the southern portion of iowa near kansas his his entire speech was um uh so and so got sick <laughs> and they're over it now he got sick one day wow. he says i got i think i got the flu yeah. one day and then all during this time, people are coming, relatives coming from Canada. I mean, there was no, there was no big deal about this. So the, a lot of our history isn't right. And that's where I think that. No, it's, I agree with that. That's a, that's a big issue of us rediscovering who we are yeah. and coming to, coming to grips with the fact that we have been deeply lied to. And that goes into science. It goes into like, the, we were just talking about bees and the healing frequencies of bees. And I don't know, every time we turn around, it's pretty clear that they're trying to clip off an ability for us to think. I mean, the most obvious that sh people should be able to look at now and then run backwards with it is say, you're trying to remove all supplements in Canada. Why? Well, because they work. And, and, and everything's been about bringing in more big pharma, pharmacia into people's lives. This is the big thrust right now, which is the, this is kind of the apex of the war. Right. Right now is where you have the, the greatest push of the Satanists and the, you know, un, under their their pedo flag, 
fighting against the Christians that are literally now the war. And we're not feeling it here strongly because so many people are still deluded. Right. I mean, they're, they're walking in the cloud going, oh, yeah, okay, cool. You know, I'm going to have to eat some more genetically modified food. That'll help me. That'll you help know. you. And the fluoride in your water. Now, I, uh, here's a yep. thing I just learned when I was up speaking in Canada, and I met a doctor that's been in the fluoride fight forever, as I have been in the fight, but not to this degree. 97% of the world's fluoridated people are in the United States of America. Oh in other God. words, what we think is normal is not normal. It came here after the World War II and the Nazis, and it got – my dad actually did some of the original research that they used to justify it. I mean, this is – this was a – fluoride is a terrible and, – and why did, why did it come here? Well, the Nazis used it in their death camps because it kept people calm. And Stalin, when he heard about it, this is not – people say – the truth sayers, the, the – uh, the, 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 the uh, intelligence services that run these fact check organizations, they say this is false, 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 but I have evidence for this. They, the, there's in the, they don't translate this stuff. The Russian, the Stalins did, did do this. He did a study to look at fluoridation in the death camps in the gulag because of the, the German use of it. And he found that he could get rid of 25% of the guards in the gulags by fluoridating the water because it calms people down. It makes you not as sharp. What do the Chinese put in their soils? They put selenium and they put iodine. What do we do? We, we tell you that the vitamins are bad and it all makes expensive urine. And instead of iodine, which we used to use before World War II to stabilize wheat, we now use bromine. And what does bromine do? It makes you not absorb iodine well, which decreases your IQ. And that's what fluoride does, by the way, they've shown in children. But, you know, there's, there's a, a, a medical actual term for this when you have iodine deficiency and mental retardation that is that is real and so we are we're somebody's doing this to us not to mention the the club of rome which really is the the most recent attack i would say headquarters the club of rome's goal is to decrease co2 and we are at the world's lowest levels if it goes lower plants won't grow and we will be dead who is doing this and why would you want to do that and anybody that thinks right. that sounds crazy, just look at what the pot growers do. They put CO2 into their tents. Look at what the vegetable growers do. They pump CO2 in their tents because there's not enough in our atmosphere right now. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Yeah. There's, there's no such thing as a, as a coincidence or, right. or a, <laughs> anymore. There's no such thing as a conspiracy theory because it's just a matter of how long it takes to get it proven. I mean, these are, these are crazy very real issues and being challenged to humanity. Um, just uh, kind of the last question here, when you're dealing with detoxification, because you've done a lot of this, and we're going to talk about like detoxifying from fluoride and that would be decalcifying your pineal gland and a variety of other things. What if you could take all these things out of your environment and you could literally, how long do you think it would take the body to detoxify? Well, you know, there are ways to do it. This is why, no, I can't tell people to use chlorine dioxide because I don't want to go to jail, but I tell you, I use it every day. And I think that it makes a difference right away. You will, the, the thing of it is, it's like fluoride in the bath, okay? When you realize we should have, instead of studying biology more, we should have studied physics more. Because if you understand how poisons work, and by the way, you mentioned pharmacia, of course, in the Revelation, when it said by pharmakia will all nations be deceived, pharmakia in the ancient in old Greek was translated, it was actually means sorcery. That was 
that was mm-hmm. what it meant. So, so we are we are being um, purposely poisoned. And I think when people realize that we have a way out of this, um, partially by I think uh, chlorine dioxide is God's gift to mankind. I, I I really can't say that enough strongly enough. I think it really it's the universal antidote because of the because of its chemistry, and its its voltage of dissociation is perfect to to deal with all this these toxins scarfing up electrons and for example it will it will the chlorine dioxide will harm like parasites are more needy in certain ways and chlorine dioxide actually harms the parasites but doesn't harm your good bacteria for this reason because there's a difference in this whole chemistry of of the electron transport that's important and when you deal with toxins and so it that's why it's it's not corrosive but it is it is uh, it'll sterilize water, but not corrode the pipes. And and this, by the way, chlor- you know, it's important because, as you just point out about Canada, they, the Canadians cannot import chlorine dioxide crystals. Yeah, really? they can't. They can, Amazon sells them, but they can't get them. We can still get them. And I recommend people stock up because it it. The point here is I don't know how we completely I don't think we can completely get out of this without stopping the electromagnetic nightmare that we're in. Look at what just happened to the whales out in the in the ocean because mm-hmm. they put these stupid wind farms in, and these wind farms we've known for a very long time have bad physiologic outcomes. They produce an ELF, an extra long frequency that is ongoing, that does not attenuate. It goes through mountains and and bounces off the other side of the world and goes all over. And I and I can say that years ago when I was uh, in the Navy, I stationed a couple times at the submarine base up in Groton. And at that time in the late 70s, the um, the Greenpeace was all upset about, oh, you you bad Navy people, you're using these ELFs to call your nuclear submarines and that's damaging the whales. Okay, they were talking specifically about the whales migration patterns, but whatever it is, they said they were damaging the whales at the time. I thought they were nuts, but now I think they were right. But what they were wrong, mm-hmm. what what the point is, though, why were they saying that when the Navy was just putting out short bursts of these ELFs to call the submarines because it doesn't attenuate, it gets their attention, then they come up for data, right? You can't get data on an ELF very much. But now that they're, they're the same people, where's Greenpeace and where are the do-gooders about the whales, about these super, super damaging wind farms out in the ocean and these whales are dying. They're not the only things dying. It's our bees. It's our, you know, I don't even see as many cockroaches and we thought they could survive the Armageddon. You that's know? a good point. So I think that's, that's where point. we are. We're going to have to, we can, we can take care of the poisons. I personally think we can undo this, this vaccine nightmare. You know, the problem is if it's true that five, some billion people have been vaccinated, we're not just going to get to them all. And, and- no, it's that's that's a true statement. I mean, I think that's that's a whole. We'll have to do another show on that because yeah. there's a lot of theories. But on that's that, but, but it's it's a just true statement. Yeah. yeah, that's that's our biggest issue. But I think I, I think we can. I, I'm absolutely sure that we can turn it around. But it's going to be turned around with a lot fewer people, unless people really wake up right now. And I don't think we can wake right. up 5.2 billion people right now. <laughs> Well, you and I can't, but we'll see. That's good. Well, Dr. Merritt, let's pray. We're going to close out the show. Let's do a prayer. Thank you. So, Father, we just want to thank you for this great meeting and, and once again, a fantastic conversation with Dr. Lee Merritt. We just thank you for her and all that she does and continue to ask you to bless her and provide her with the resources needed as she moves forward to continue to speak truth and, and open minds 
and just turn our eyes back to Jesus as we walk here to realize the the challenges that are ahead of us and the might that it's going to take both in our faith and the efforts of our hands to restore this world back to the glory of kingdom. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. I think that one of the things people miss is, or they like to think, and this is where I think we kind of I'll just close with this comment, and is just that there's a desire to have this resolved quickly. We're, we're very much a product of drive-through culture. <laughs> you know, I want my Big Mac, I want my, I want my Whopper, my way, I want my coffee in a styrofoam cup now and hot, at exactly 186 degrees or whatever it is that McDonald's keeps it at now. I mean, that's what they want but they don't understand how deep this mess is and how much work it's going to take. And it's not going to be anything a great hand that's going to come in and suddenly fix it, but it is going to take the diligence of like you talking about and understanding the solutions and understanding that there's some real loss in this period of time. We're in. Yeah. There's going to be some real loss. And I mean, we're seeing it still. We're, that soccer player that died, that's 28 years old, uh, not soccer, basketball mm-hmm. just recently, you know, kid got myocarditis from the vaccine and then was getting a stress test and died on the on the treadmill. How sad. I just saw that this morning. I mean, yeah. we, you know, and the Ukrainians dying. But the, 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 the enemy that we're dealing with, the satanic enemy, they just love chaos. Keep in mind, every time they, they try and divide you from your fellow man, that's wrong. that's what they're doing and they 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 love hatred they love these negative thoughts these negative vibrations and we got to get out of that we absolutely do that's absolutely true well awesome having you on today it's been too long we'll have to do it again again soon hey thanks so much hope you have a very event have a blessed day we'll talk to you soon and god bless okay bye-bye well patriots that was dr lee Merritt, and that's the uh (laughs) she's legend she's awesome and one of the great minds of our time when it comes to just about every topic related to the Great Awakening. So it's always a pleasure to have her on. Biggest thing about all of this, keep fighting with truth and keep pressing into people with the truth and the love of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way forward as we move. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you in just a little bit for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. 
and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. <laughs> 